As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello, yes, welcome to the Standing Room Only Podcast. I am Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington football team for the athletic i appreciate everybody checking out the podcast as always and subscribing and listening and all that good stuff um i'm back for another edition here ahead of week four game at atlanta we'll call this bonus content if you want um i spoke uh with um, my colleague at the athletic josh kendall our falcons insider to preview week four uh get into what's going on with matt ryan uh taylor heineke reunion a lot more going on here with this game, which is obviously, look, let's be realistic. I've been saying, I'm hesitant to say that it's a must win, but it's definitely a don't lose kind of a game for the Washington football team at one and two, considering the opponent, no offense to the Falcons, but they're not exactly one considered to be one of the tougher teams in the NFL this year, as well as the upcoming schedule starting next week with the Saints and then the Chiefs coming to FedEx field and then road games after that. So, It is a difficult stretch for Washington beyond this game, but we'll see what happens in this game. Obviously, we kind of know Washington's defense has not exactly been crushing it this year, so this is an opportunity to rebound against a Falcons team that did beat the Giants last week, but at the same point, um, you know, is definitely on more of a rebuild mode than the perception we have here where, you know, expectations are legitimate one way or the other, and uh, obviously it's been... Washington has not performed up to expectations of any kind, really, uh, so far this year. But you get a win, you're two and two. Life looks a lot better after four weeks. Um, so you, we'll, we'll get into all that here in just a moment. Uh, with, with I said, with Josh Kendall, our Falcons insider, you can of course read uh, my work, uh, and you can read Josh's work as well if you're interested. Um, on the Athletic, uh, I have a, a new article up. Uh, well, I have a new article up from Thursday about how Ron Rivera is meeting uh, uh, Matt Ryan on a football field for the for the 19th time. That's the most that uh, Ron Rivera has met any uh, quarterback in the NFL. And look at that history, but also what that history tells us about what Ron Rivera might be up to from a strategy standpoint. This game, I spoke with former Panthers Pro Bowl linebacker John Beeson. Um, we, we talked about Matt Ryan, and it's very interesting how things he said about what the Fal- about what the Panthers were doing back in the day with Matt Ryan. To me, 
sounds similar to what we heard a little bit this week with from Ron Rivera um, about Matt Ryan. So check that out. In addition, depending on what time you're listening to this, there should be an article up on the site um, that I joined with um, our film insider, Ted Gwynn, um, our film analyst, I guess it's Jerry, national film analyst, um, looking at Washington's defense. So you can check that out over on The Athletic. Now, if you're not a subscriber, but you're listening to this podcast, I have a, I have a note for you. I mentioned this in the last podcast, but we are now officially on The Athletic app. You can find the Standard Groom Only podcast on The Athletic app. So if you're a subscriber, just look for the podcast and make sure you uh, click it as one of your favorites and you automatically will get all the episodes that you'll see. If you're not yet a subscriber but have thought about it, it's a great time to do it. You'll get 50% off if you go to theathletic.com forward slash standing. Um, if you're listening to the podcast on The Athletic app, it's ad-free. Verse was here. We've got ads. The, the bosses, you know, hey – they got to do what they got to do. Um, so keep that in mind. Go to theathletic.com forward slash standing to, to subscribe to The Athletic. Get 50% off the entire site, not just the podcast. You get everything. Um, that's for a limited time. It'll go into l- later this month um, there. Um, all right. So before we get into my conversation with Josh Kendall, I'm talking to you guys late Thursday night fr- into Friday morning. A couple quick things. So Curtis Samuel did practice again on Thursday, second day in a row, good sign right off the bat, as opposed to the last time when he practiced um, once and landed on IR soon thereafter. I thought I thought Sammy looked you know reasonable, all things considered. Um, you know he he was making some moves um, in, in his routes. He dove a couple times for some errant throws, which obviously you don't really want to see diving in practice, no matter what's going on per se. Um, but at the same time. It was good to see that he was willing to, from a from his body standpoint, that he trusted his body to do it. He seemed to get up with no no harm, no foul. But we'll see what happens today, and we'll see if Washington decides they want to activate him from IR ahead of Sunday's game. Obviously, there's you know it's, it's obvious that the offense still needs the playmaking that he was signed to deliver. Washington is averaging fewer uh, plays of twenty yards or more than they did last year um one of those big plays they, they had two of those plays of over 20 yards last week one of them that 73 yard ru- amazing run and catch by antonio gibson um well i guess we're gonna have to see antonio gibson did not practice thursday he was out officially with a shin issue um or he was yeah so um the the shin issue um We'll see what that means. Is he, if he's obviously if he's not out there today on Friday, then you know we've got a story. My sense from what I was told is that it, it, he was held out mostly for precautionary reasons and seemingly should be okay. But you know we'll have to just wait to see for sure. Um, you know you you wake up, you see how you feel, and you kind of go from there. Um, defensive tackle Matt Ioannidis was not uh, participating in practice either on Thursday. He obviously missed last week with a knee issue, so something to keep in mind. There. Meanwhile, um, Brandon Scherf did return to practice after missing the the uh, uh, missing Wednesday with a chest injury. Charles Leno uh, practiced on Thursday as well. So um, we'll see what goes on there with that. Uh, beyond that, you know, like I said, let's listen to my conversation with Josh to get some insight into in, into the Falcons. Um, you know, like I said, I can't call it a must win. It's too early in the year, but at the same point. 
Whew, boy. Um, and, and lastly, I will just say, you know, it's, I, I can't sit here and tell you definitively for sure what's the mood of this lo- of the locker room. In part, unfortunately, because we're not we're not allowed in the locker room. Before, you used to be able to get some view when we'd be in there for you know thirty minutes or so. You used to get some view of you know how guys are acting. They're allowed to have fun, right? It's their it's their downtime after practice as well. But you can kind of get a tell: oh, guys loose or guys tight. It doesn't necessarily matter if they either if it's either or or somewhere in between, that that means it's going to win or lose. I'm just saying you could notice something. And to me and the players that we spoke to this week, um, everything felt a little bit more tense. Um, I felt that with with J.D. McKissick yesterday on Thursday. He's normally more expansive with his answers. He wasn't this time. I thought Chase Young had a bit more of a serious tone to him as well. Um, So we'll see. And even in the responses from some of the coaches, I I think obviously I don't think too many people were pleased with the the effort against – Buffalo, and just to be clear, I don't mean effort, meaning they weren't trying. I just mean, you know, they didn't live up to expectations. The performance wasn't where they wanted to be on um, on either side of the ball. Obviously, the defense had some struggles, to say the least. So, um, we'll see. I, I, it, it, you know, they, they may absolutely come out and whoop on, on whoop on Atlanta, and everything will be back to normal, and everybody will feel better about the situation. Uh, it's not like the defense isn't getting pressure. Wrote about this earlier in the week, Rain and Walker has a story about this up on The Athletic as well. It's not that they're not getting pressure. It's just not in sync with one another to maximize um, the opportunities, and there's miscommunication going on in the back seven and so on. So they got a lot of things to clean up. We'll see what they can do. Uh, All right, now let's get to it. Here is my conversation with our Falcons insider, Josh Kendall, talking week four, Matt Ryan, Taylor Heineke, defenses, two one and two teams. Who's going to be two and two? All right, and right before we get to my conversation with Josh, just a reminder that I had other podcasts this week. Uh, spoke with Scott Jackson, uh, part of the Washington football team uh, radio program on on uh, game day. He and I spoke after the Buffalo game. I spoke with our friend Dalton Ross, longtime fan, um, as well. Uh, on Wednesday's episode, the great Rick Doc Walker joined me to break down what is going on with this team. And then a little Wizards talk with Ava Wallace from the Washington Post. That's on Wednesday's show uh but for now let's get to friday's show here's my conversation with our falcons insider josh kendall here on the standard groom only podcast looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. As promised, joining me here to help preview this battle of one and two teams on Sunday in Atlanta, he is our Falcons insider, Josh Kendall. Josh, I appreciate the time. This is literally the first time we're talking, so I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate uh, the, the, the time. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's interesting, right? I mean, um, well, so and, and I mentioned this to you or, well, before we started that, like, one thing I've done with, with beat writers uh, covering other teams is to do a bit where like, you know, each ask each other back and forth a couple of questions we're intrigued by, um, but with the other team. And I was thinking about this and like, 
you know, they're both one and two. So you could look at it like from that perspective and say, oh, you know, same level or whatever. Of course, that's not always the case. The Chiefs are also one and two and nobody would put them in the same category as these two teams. But even within this group, it like I know for Washington, it feels like it's been a bit of a letdown so far. Um, A lot of people had high expectations for the defense. They've underachieved. They, They won a division last year with a losing record, blah, blah, blah. But some people were projecting higher higher things. But when I look at Atlanta, I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, probably right. not great, but like, you know, I know Matt Ryan still there. So it gives the veneer of being this team, but like, obviously they were not great last year and it didn't, I didn't get the sense that expectations were out of hand. So I guess just to start this off, what's the mood there? Is it like, what the hell is happening? Or is it like, okay, well, you know, we're, we weren't expecting heights this year. So we're, I, we're plugging away. I think it's layered. On the surface, from 30,000 feet, this is a rebuilding team at its core with with some significant issues. So one and two is not that big of a problem, especially if you want to be optimistic and look at the slate. You know, they came off of the Giants where they got that win. They've got Washington, which, you know, again, they're in the same bucket. Then they've got the Jets. So if you're a Falcons fan, you can look and say, all right, we might come out of this above 500. But if you go deeper – it's not just that they lost to Philadelphia in week one, it's that they got embarrassed. And they hired uh, Arthur Smith to fix the offense, to at least make this a fun product on the field while they were getting everything else fixed behind the scenes. And right now they're 29th in the NFL, averaging 16 points a game. Everybody is wondering where the hell Kyle Pitts went. So, you you know, you've got these, depending on how hardcore of an Atlanta fan you are, if you just, you know, if you're living in Atlanta and you just remember occasionally that the Falcons are in town, you're okay right now. If you're a real hardcore Falcons fan, then the world is crumbling because you don't have an offense. You think Kyle Pitts is the biggest bust since Tony Mandrich. You know, that's that's where we are. So, in that spectrum. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird thing. I mean, I know, like, as somebody who does a lot of stuff with the NFL draft, and obviously one of the intriguing questions was, should Atlanta, at with the fourth pick, take – what they did basically Kyle Pitts, who was considered to be a, you know, this phenomenal talent and, and all that. And it looks like he's, it looks like that's the case. Um, or should they take a quarterback knowing that Matt Ryan at his age is getting up there and you don't know how often you're going to be in that spot. And I was sort of of the like, well, yeah, you know, you can't get rid of Matt Ryan. So you might as well kind of go for it, but then they got rid of Julio Jones, which I guess I had to do for the salary cap reasons and other things. So it feels like they're in this very weird limbo spot that kind of had no choice but to go with Matt Ryan but they're not also did not going to mortgage their future mortgage their future to try to win now so it is it, it feels from the outside like they're in this weird spot but you have a new coach and with that comes you know time I guess so uh yeah I mean I, th- I think that there Arthur Smith was not seen as a quarterback dependent offensive guy I mean for heaven's sakes he turned Ryan Tannehill into you know, a, a winner in the NFL, which some people at some point thought was not going to happen. So they thought, okay, he can win with Matt Ryan. Let's take a guy that we believe is a generational talent because it seems like the quarterback that they, you know, would have been willing to go all in for Trey Lance was was just out of their reach or just out of the reach that they wanted to go. What I said about Kyle Pitts being a bust, that comes from – sort of the, the lunatic fringe of the fan base. There is no thought in this building that I'm in, or technically the one that I'm looking at through the window over there, that Kyle Pitts is a bust. They love Kyle Pitts. 
they love everything about Kyle Pitts. They will tell you, you know, they'll, they'll take you down the line and tell you why Kyle Pitts hasn't gotten more touches and why he will in the future get more touches. So they still feel good about the Pitts pick. They think Pitts is going to be around for a while. And they think that Matt Ryan and Matt Ryan thinks he said today, you know, that he can be very good in this offense. So nobody inside the building is panicking. NFL fans being NFL fans, some of them are panicking. Um, prediction. Uh, Kyle Pitts gets the ball a lot this week. Washington linebackers struggle in coverage. And I think this is, if I'm Atlanta, that's exactly where I'm going. Uh, I, w- I would think he would be heavily involved, but that's just my guess. Um, all right, your turn. You're allowed to ask me whatever you got about Washington. Uh, you can, whatever you got, I'm all in. Well, you know, just from a human interest standpoint, Heineke coming back home to a place where, you know, he was at Collins Hill High School when Matt Ryan was just down the road as the, as the NFL quarterback. That's an interesting dynamic to me. How much of does that you think mean to Heineke? Obviously, at 1 p.m. or 1.05 p.m., it doesn't matter. But coming into the game, how much do you think it means to Heineke? So I actually asked him today, we're talking on Wednesday, uh, you and I are talking Wednesday early evening. So today Heineke spoke to the media and I said, hey, you know, obviously you grew up in Atlanta, Matt Ryan was playing. Did you ever have a chance to, you know, I'm sure you watched him play a lot. Did you ever have a chance to meet him at some point or whatever? He said, no, they never met. He also said that even though he grew up there, his dad was a Packers fan. So that was his team and he, he liked Favre and Rodgers. And it actually makes a lot of sense, especially the Favre part, because Heineke's game is much more the gunslinger version, like a Brett Favre, whereas Matt Ryan is, he feels like it's the more of the uh, prototype, you know, uh, coming off the factory, tall quarterback, arm, pocket presence that every coach would say, yeah, sign me up for that. So yeah, there's clearly no, um, (laughs) yeah, there's no uh, comparison between Heineke and Ryan from a style. He said that um, his first start ever, a couple of years ago was, was against Atlanta and Matt Ryan said some nice things about him then. So, um, you know, I think he's intrigued from, from, from that perspective, but yeah, I mean, obviously Heineke coming home is, is an interesting angle um, for, for, for sure. And uh, w- like, uh, I know you are transitioning to Atlanta and all that, but like, is there a buzz to any degree, whether it's about Heineke this week or just the idea that this guy from that area there's not a, to become a thing. Yeah, there's not a ton of buzz. I think that they would root for him as sort of a metro Atlanta guy. Collins Hill is in Gwinnett County, which in some ways is his own universe outside the perimeter of Atlanta. So while he's an Atlanta kid, he's not an inside the perimeter guy. So there's not, I think, any real strong connection between the, the core, the geographic core of what the Falcons fans are and that Gwinnett County group. So, I, you know, I, I don't think that it's a big storyline among Falcons people. I just wonder from Heineke's perspective, you know, it, it's got to be cool to some degree. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, he pre-said he's, you know, he's, the, the ticket requests are coming in. It's definitely going to be uh, a, a deal. His trainer, I wrote a story last week about how he spent the offseason trying to get ready for this season because his injuries have always been part of his unfortunate uh journey so so far through the NFL and his training staff guys based in Atlanta um, were helping him out and what they were kind of focusing on so uh, it's a home it's a homecoming on a lot of different levels it's obviously a big deal you know and like look he's only you know a handful of starts is you know that's where he's at right now coming and he's also coming off his, his worst performance since he got here which is you know 
not going to judge him off the one performance, but it was the worst one. If he has another one where he throws a couple picks and looks shaky, then other questions start to come up. But we'll we'll, we'll think positive for sure uh, for everybody for everybody um, for everybody involved. Um, l- l- let me go back to you and 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 ask this. So we talked about Matt Ryan to a degree, but uh, so Matt Ryan has been around for a long time. Uh, former MVP, you know, he again the sort of the the, the prototype pocket quarterback but in sort of looking at a couple things quickly here early in the early in the week you know it looks like a guy who in my head i'm thinking throwing the ball down the field this is like you know this is what he could do that it's that it's now not that same guy that the the perception that that's the case is no is not the deal that his i think it's like his yards per attempt is pretty low i'm not exactly sure where it ranks in the league but pretty shockingly low and just sort of talking to a couple people the sense I got was, yeah, he'll kill you underneath, but down the field is not really where he's at. What's your sense of 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 what Matt Ryan? Because obviously, and and to that point, Washington's defense has struggled. The pass rush has not been able to be what they were hoping. Completely, they're getting some pressure, but they're not in coordination to actually work together to get him down. And they're going to have to take Matt Ryan down because he'll pick him apart underneath. But what's your sense of that? Is it more? Is it more that he is a little bit more underneath relative to what? He's probably been throughout his career. So far, for sure, his air yardage is the lowest per, per attempt is the lowest of his career so far. That is not a function of physical ability. He's he, you know he's still capable of doing that. That's a function of what this system is asking him to do. And we talked about him being sort of the prototype off the factory quarterback. Part of that is this sort of very cerebral, almost robotic approach to the game. He calls. He talks about making really ordinary plays over and over and over. So defenses have done a lot on the back end to cover up Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley and not to get beat deep. And Matt Ryan is going to take the check down 100 out of 100 times when the numbers say take the check down. He is not going to get frustrated. He's not going to get bored. He's not going to think, I got to try one just to try one. He'll just take the check down all day long. As a Falcons fan, it's maddening for them sometimes. As an offensive coordinator and a head coach who's, the, who's essentially the offensive coordinator, that's exactly what they're asking him to do. And he's just going to keep on doing it. They think, although they have not proven yet, that they can beat teams just taking the check down all day long, taking Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson, you know, throwing Lee Smith a touchdown every now and then that they can get detailed and consistent enough to do that well enough to beat teams if that's all teams are going to give them. It hasn't really happened except for the the Giants last week. So we'll see. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously the new coach, he's got to, he's got to, it's a, you know, he's got to win, wants to be competitive as much now, but he's also implementing a system and you can't just, I mean, there's something to be said for coaching to the, your talent. What do we do here? Um, how do we make this as successful as possible while simultaneously going, well, this quarterback is a hundred years old and like, I, you know, th- this isn't necessarily the future. So I maybe need to incorporate what I want to do more than just cater to, to this guy. So it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting spot. Um, all right. I, I won't, since I'm not going to uh, keep you long so you can get back to work, I'll give you, you get your last, uh, or ask me as many as you want, but I, I'll give you your last question back to me about anything going on on, on this end. So from, The Atlanta side, the offense has not been what anybody thought it would be, but the coaching staff keeps saying, we're close, we're close, we're close, we're getting there. I sense the same thing defensively for the Redskins. 
do they look close defensively? Do they do they look like they're about to be that defensive monster that folks thought they might be? Or do they look like further away than they're telling you they are? Because I know Ron Rivera at his heart is kind of an Arthur Smith optimist type of guy. You know, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting there maybe. You have it pegged exactly right. Rivera keeps saying that Washington is close, but he, he talks about things like maturity. He talks about that, you know, th- like basically how like last year is not relevant to this year that you got to, you know, uh, Cole Holcomb today, the starting linebacker, uh, talked about how the the idea that Rivera says is like every year you start at the bottom of the mountain, right? Um, right. And, and that they need to understand that, that they're, um, that some guys are sort of getting out of of their proper technique that, you know, they're not staying within the system. I mentioned the coordination within the defensive line that the, some guys are just not, um, um, they're, they're just, you know, you can't just try to beat your own guy off the pass rush. You have to do it within concert with the other people. Right. So to that end, they're saying they're close. Look, I, it's hard to say, obviously there's a lot of talent, particularly on the defensive line, but I, last year I just thought that they were a bit um, um, over, not overrated, but like, I think people were like calling them an elite defense when they really were not there yet. A lot of intrigue, a lot of promise, but I don't, people have heard me talk about this a hundred times that the schedule and backup quarterbacks and other things worked to their favor last year. And then obviously we haven't seen it yet this year. So it gets, it's easy to say that they're close and they may be right. Ron Rivera is going to have a lot better feel for it than me or anybody else on, on the outside but it doesn't look that way yet. Um, you know, that said, they played Justin Herbert week one. Uh, they played Josh Allen this week, but they also played Daniel Jones in the middle. And I think Daniel Jones is, you know, I've been more of a fan of Daniel Jones than others, but he looked pretty good too. So, you know, Matt Ryan's another good quarterback. It doesn't get any easier, but maybe. <laughs> like, I, right. I wouldn't be overly, like last week I was thinking Buffalo would win and probably cover because I figured Josh Allen is more likely to break out than the defense. I don't necessarily know if I feel the same way this week because Atlanta doesn't is not as good as as Buffalo, of course. Um, but the defense is going to have to do better. Where Matt Ryan could look really good, right? So I think I think we're in a position where this is that's the most intriguing matchup to me is which of those groups takes that step that they've been saying they're going to take, and that probably determines the outcome Sunday afternoon. Right, right, for for sure. Um, all right, I'll ask the last uh, the last question of you. So, in terms of just you know, we mentioned Taylor Heineke. Um, look, the guy, you know he's scrappy. He there, there's certain things he can do. He he can uh, you know he he he's good. He's a good on the run. To whether it's actually running, as he had a, a, a diving touchdown last week, or just simply getting out of the pocket. I feel like that's where he's best. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, and when he can roll outside and and throw towards the sideline, he can do some good things. But we saw when he stays in the pocket and then throws late, he doesn't have the arm strength to get it done. But I guess the question though is, Buffalo's defense is really good. Atlanta's defense, can where where can Heineke, I guess, in Washington take advantage of Atlanta's defense, and where is the scary part that he could get into some trouble with? Well, I think if they watch the Eagles tape, they'll be very you know. They'll see a ton of stuff that they can do because Jalen Hurts looked like Steve Young doing a lot of those same things. I mean, running more zone read than the Redskins probably are going to run, but getting Hurts outside of the pocket, cutting the field in half, giving him easy throws. He made a ton of them. He rushed for a bunch of yards, and it was bad. They have That defense has made progress. They showed that against Daniel Jones, who is also himself an athletic and a mobile guy. They kept him hemmed up. 
they're going to pressure. They say a lot of the same things about coordinating that pressure and the coordination has to be good or it looks really bad. They made steps against the Giants. They're going to play zone behind it. There is nothing tremendously scary about this Atlanta defense. They have shown the willingness to, and I think they're going to have to, run some pressure stuff up front, play zone behind it, and just catch everything in front of them. And if they have to do that down to the red zone and then try to force a field goal, they'll do that. This is not a team that's going to beat you with its defense. And I think that they have uh, – it. they look almost like they have accepted that fact and they're just going to play within the play within the scheme. So I could see, you know, the, I could see the Redskins like the Giants did, especially early, you know, making a lot of progress in the first 80 yards of the field. Then it's a matter of who makes those handful of plays when you get in the red zone. Um, awesome. Um, before, uh, before Sunday, if you start writing stuff, it, it is, a, it is a challenge for everybody with the, with the name, uh so uh when, when you know, make sure you, you you use the football team if you're having to write anything oh uh, did, I, did i say redskins <laughs> oh all no good. everybody 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 especially when you when you don't have to ever deal with it um you know it's uh it, it slips out everybody does it especially those of us of a certain age uh you know it is what it is it's it's uh, i'm gonna it's, you're right i'm gonna write it like four times in my game story <laughs> redskins somebody's gonna i'm gonna have to search and replace it when i'm done all all all, all good um Beyond that, anything, um, any, any specific articles you have out this week that give people want to who subscribe to the Athletic want to get a better feel for what's going on at the Falcons that they should keep it, should go take a look at? Well, t- tomorrow I'm writing sort of about Arthur Smith versus fantasy football owners. Um, he's made a comment about how he's never been a big, the fantasy people have never been a big fan of his, and they're certainly not now because of the Kyle Pitts situation. So he talks about that. We talked, I talked to some of our fantasy people about, you know, the consternation in the fantasy football world that, that Kyle Pitts is not, is not doing anything, that Calvin Ridley's not doing anything, kind of as a way to get into the idea of why isn't the number four overall pick more involved in the offense. Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that, Josh. I really appreciate, appreciate the time. Welcome to the athletics NFL team. And, uh, Good luck. I, I will. I will see you there uh, on Sunday. I'm excited for the uh, for for the trip. The Atlanta press box, as uh, assuming it hasn't changed since I was there last. Amazing spread, which is really all all any of us in the media care about. So food's pretty good. They've got the, the ice cream machine is working again, so we're good to go. Oh, okay. soft serve well, machine. Now we're good. Now we're good. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. I appreciate. It. Thanks so much. Thank you, Ben. All right. Many thanks to Josh Kendall for his time, and thanks to everybody here for checking out the podcast. Again, a reminder, if you're not yet a subscriber, you can by going to theathletic.com forward slash standing. If you subscribe, you you get this podcast and the entire Athletic for 50% off the annual subscription rate, so go check that out. That's it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. See ya.